What is up, everybody? Thank you for listening to another episode of Nostalgia. And now, as always, it is your host, Kelly. Thank you so much for tuning in this week. I actually have a lot to thank you guys for. I want to say thank you for all the awesome birthday wishes that you guys sent me. I really, really appreciate it. I had a great birthday. had so much fun with my friends. The karaoke room was absolutely a great idea. Other than (laughs) it was super fucking hot. There was no, like, AC. I felt like a caged little animal because it was all, like, um, not I guess it was glass, like plastic glass. I don't know. But they brought a fan in, and if they did not bring that fan in, there's no way we would have lasted the full two hours. Like, there's no chance. But overall, it was really fun. And like I said, you guys sent me so many awesome birthday messages, so I really, really appreciate that. Um... Thank you guys so much for supporting Beyond the Blinds, the new podcast that Troy and I just released. That's why a lot of you guys were like, will you do more Celebrity Blinds? Will you do Celebrity Blinds? I'm like, I promise you I have something in the works. I'm not going to do more Celebrity Blinds on this podcast. Actually, maybe I will, but that podcast is going to be all Celebrity Blinds, like everything Celebrity Blinds about different celebrities. We have a Patreon for Zac Efron episode that just went out there. And it is $5 a month to get extra episodes. We're going to do three to four extra episodes a month. So I definitely think it's worth it. I mean, we put a lot of time and research into it. But if you just want to stick to like, you know, what's what's going to be on the free website, I understand that as well. Just so you know, everything with Nostalgia and Now will always be free. I'll never hide anything behind a paywall. If you would like to, there is a button where you can like support monthly But that's up to you. If you want to, if you don't, that's fine too. So another thing is somebody was like, I think you're past 100 episodes. I'm like, no, 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 no way, no way. I think I'm past 100 episodes, guys. Like way past. I know that, you know, I have my 100th episode with Jemmy. But no, I think I'm on like 125 or something. I really do think I messed up my counting. I never said I was super bright. (laughs) But yeah, I definitely messed up my, however I fucking numbered this podcast. I messed it up. But let's just pretend that there there are like, what, 111 episodes, whatever episode number I said this one was. But yeah, I'm about six episodes off either way. But I'm just excited that this podcast is still going. And, you know, the way I could describe this past week, you know, when you are on like the bumper boats or bumper cars or whatever you do at the, not at the arcade. I don't think they have those at arcades. At like the fair or like Six Flags, an amusement park, whatever. So you get on the bumper cars and you get hit once. You're kind of like, ooh, I can bounce back from that. I'm going to get that person, right? Like that person just hit me. I'm going to go get them. Then you get hit again and you're like, oh, this isn't as fun. Like what the fuck? Why is everyone hitting me? And then you just keep getting hit until it's not fun anymore. That is kind of how last week felt for me. Just in general, you know. I, ha- I did say on my Instagram story that I did get let go from my job. And basically, I was told that a company wanted to cut social media out, and they basically made my position for that company, so they no longer needed me. I was told that the owner of the company, that's who told me, that's who let me go. I was told she said something completely different and kind of undermined my work ethic in the Monday morning meeting. So I do think that it was a blessing in disguise. The day it happened, no, that wasn't a blessing in disguise, right? Like when I talked to my dad, he was like, you know, things happen. That happens in the corporate world. 
And I was kind of like, I don't want to hear that right now. Like right now is not the time to tell me things happen. But I am really lucky because my family also knows that when something like that happens, I need to go quiet for a while. I need to like not talk to them because that's what they do. And I know that's what family does, right? Family's always trying to be like, look at the bright side. I'm like, there is no fucking bright side right now. (laughs) And I have to like sit in that doom and gloom just for a little bit until I kind of get my bearings again. That was what last week was. And on the page this week, we are doing the clear the lists for teachers. And I wanted to let you guys know, I got a DM. It kind of threw me off. She thought that I was asking people to like send me money for me, not for teachers. But if you Venmo me anything, the Venmo is Laguna Biatch and you're put like teacher fund or clear the list, that is all going to teachers. I am not someone who's going to, I'm not going to be a Lou Pearlman, right? I'm not stealing money from anybody. I am just like, I think it's, you know, some people are like, I can only donate two bucks. And I'm like, yeah, send it my way. And, you know, I'm putting my own money into it. And I just, I think teachers are like the best. I feel like teachers are the only, you know, growing up, they made me feel seen, especially in high school. I had a teacher, Mrs. Aborn and a teacher, Miss Faye. Both of them were incredible. Then I went to college. Um, I had a teacher, Dave Copeland, and then Jason Edwards. Those two teachers always really stuck out to me. And it's just people who you felt like really believed in you and saw something in you that maybe other people didn't. And I just think, I think teachers are the shit. (laughs) And I know last year, a few people who lived in different countries, they were like, well, why don't teachers get supplies? I don't know, but I have friends who are teachers who will spend over $1,000 on school supplies a year. So probably three years ago, I saw the clear the list happening. And then last summer was the first time Laguna Biatch did clear the list So this is our second summer. It seems to be doing really well. I'm really proud of us. You know, you know, we may be some biatches, but hey, hey, we're killing it, right? (laughs) Yeah, I just, I feel like this last week has kind of, you know, it was like the rug was ripped out from under me. And I know things like this happen. And I always think of the Baz Luhrmann, everybody's free to wear sunscreen, where it's like the worst things in life will hit you on a Wednesday afternoon when you're least expecting it. I'm not saying getting fired from this job was the worst thing ever. I was already applying to different positions just because I knew that this position was not for me. I knew that this place was not for me, but you know, it just, it's very like rug ripped out from under you. When I quit my last job, I had quite a bit saved up this time, not as much, but I'll be okay for like a month or two, maybe a month. But yeah, you guys, you know, you guys are my little, my, my fucking big support system. I can't even say little. I get, I love talking to everybody and I really appreciate it whenever anyone's like, hey, this happened to me too. And yeah, it feels like the end of the world. Like when you first start going through this and when you're applying to jobs and getting like denied from it all the time. But you know what? It is what it is. Right, Gail? I don't know if you can hear her. She's talking her shit. Gail is a vocal ass bitch. That's for sure. A few updates to the podcast. TRL's gone. Maybe I'll bring it back here and there. But yes, I heard you. TRL is gone. Um, This week on the podcast, I am doing a Lou Pearlman deep dive. And Lou Pearlman, I mean, I'm going to talk about him a lot. But there's a lot to him. And there's a lot that we owe to him. And he's an absolute horrible piece of shit. So it's kind of like, you know, it's a very weird deep dive. Because there's a part of me that wants to be like, thank you for what you did for us but also like, fuck you for screwing over all these people. So again, we'll get into that a little bit and let's get right into it, guys. Now, one of my favorite segments has to be keeping up with Kristen Cavallari because sometimes I feel like I don't even know there's drama with Kristen 
until Kristen herself tells me. I mean, even when that video, the live, happened with her, Austin, Craig, and Justin, and she was like, sorry, I can't have guy friends. I was kind of like, oh, like, I didn't even know there were, like, rumors that you were dating them. And it's also confirmed that she is opening a store in Charleston. I'm not sure when, but she is opening a store there, and I hope it's near Morgan from Season One store. I think that would be so incredible. But anyway, back to Kristen. <laughs> On Dumois, or Dumois, do me? I don't know how to pronounce it. You know what Instagram I'm talking about. They post all those blinds that people send to them. Well, there was one saying that there was a love triangle between Craig from Southern Charm, Paige from Southern, not Southern Charm, sorry, Summer House, and then Kristen, of course. Now, I am not saying Kristen didn't one time make out with Craig. Craig is a good looking guy. I've also heard she hooked up with Austin. Like these are all allegedly rumors that I've heard swirling, 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 yeah, swirling around the Southern Charm, very cavalry group. But Kristen decided to take to her Instagram story and she had quite a bit to say. So I'm going to play that right now. There's a little something that I feel like I should clear up. I do not feel like I owe anybody an explanation. Normally, I don't comment on this stuff. However, these rumors have been going on for about a year now. And some Instagram gossip page or whatever um, is saying that I'm involved in a love triangle, which <laughs> it's not true. I haven't been involved in a love triangle since I was in high school. I'm not dating anybody. Um, I haven't dated anybody in a few months. And... These two guys that I've been linked to for the past year are my friends. That's it. Um, I've never dated either one of them. I can guarantee that I'm not going to date either one of them. And it's possible for a grown woman to be friends with a grown man and for that to be it. So I'm not dating anybody. I can assure you of that. I've actually really enjoyed being single for the last few months. Here's the last, my final thoughts. In the last 17 years since I've been in this business, every single article that I've ever read that's been written about me has never been 100% accurate. Not one. Not one article. So if you love all of this gossip and this drama, that's fine. But look at it for what it is. It's, it's entertainment. It's gossip. It's like a massive game of telephone. So just keep that in mind. The stuff you're reading is not, not always true or... Maybe there's a little seed of truth, but all the details are messy. So just keep that in mind. That's all. All right. Now, after she posted that, Dumois posted in their story and they doubled down on it. They were like, nope, there's definitely a love triangle. We've heard it. We believe our sources. And Kristen never came back from that. But E-fucking news, E-news rat, if you're listening, I'm talking to you. You guys were incorrect with your story. <laughs> So they said that she was in a love triangle between Craig, Austin, and herself. Nope. Like I said, it's Paige, Craig, and her, allegedly, but Kristen put those to rest. And I also like how she was like, I have been in this industry since I was 17, and everything I've read about me, it's never been 100% true. I'm like, but what about the stories you plant, Kristen? What about those alleged stories that you plant? <laughs> Also, her love triangle. I don't care what anybody fucking says, okay? Listen to me when I say this. The real love triangle in Laguna Beach was Steven, Sam, and Kristen. Sam refused to be on TV. That's why it wasn't the focal point. I will never, ever, ever think 
after like, especially rewatching it and spending as much fucking time watching Laguna Beach as I have over the last four years, the true love triangle is Sam, Steven, and Kristen. I don't care what anybody says, but I hope you guys like that. Keeping up with Kristen, she is opening a store in Charleston. She is not involved in a love triangle. She's a single lady just living it up, and we love that for her. But yeah, that is Keeping Up with Kristen Cavallari, and you heard it right from her. Do not believe the rumors, even though Dumois did double down. Again, Kristen had nothing to say about it. She didn't, like, go back and respond to them. I think she's kind of over it. She said what she needed to say, and that is that. So I know that I have said the last three or four weeks of The Hills, I've really, really liked it. I will say this past episode, I wasn't super into it. I thought that it was great that they were hosting an event for the Red Songbird Foundation. I really think talking about sobriety is important, and it's important for not only Jason's storyline, but also Ashley and Brandon's. So I like that they had that. Of course, Spidey was not there. Um, I don't think Brody was there either. Frankie, Justin Bobby showed up, and Justin Bobby played a song. (laughs) Justin Bobby played a song, said, let's do drugs. That's what he said. He goes, I'm playing a new song. It's called Let's All Do Drugs or whatever the fuck it was called. It was definitely something like that. And you saw everybody's face in the audience being like, what? What's this song? Nobody was super into Bobby Rockus. Um, but then in his confessional where he is just wearing a leather jacket, no shirt underneath, just his big justice tattoo shown in his leather jacket. And he's like, yeah, Let's All Do Drugs is a song about how drugs are bad for you and how we shouldn't do drugs. I was like, maybe you should have led with that. Like, maybe you should have led with that intro. But, you know, he had to be a rock star. Yeah. Um, Brandon hates his girlfriend, Danny. Um, He keeps saying how he wants her to live with him and just be a totally different person than she is. But there was a moment where he kind of looked at her during, I don't know if it was a speech or during the JB performance, but she was staring at her phone and you could tell how frustrated he was. Brandon, to me, has a lot of red flags. Brandon is someone who last season I was like, oh, he's so mature. He's so cool. Like, I'm really into it. Now I'm just like, oh, like, you're very, like, I don't know. I don't know. Controlling. I'll say controlling to say the least. But he's like, I want Danny in my bed every night. I want to sleep with Danny every night. And I think they need to break the fourth wall more often. So last week... They or the week before, I'm sorry, when they were at the party and Danny was like, I don't like being around girls that you've hooked up with. Why are girls that you've hooked up with here? And he was like, I don't know. I don't know. I asked him not to tell these girls. And he ends up in his confessional. He's like, I've hooked up with a lot of people. They'll probably be at parties we go to. And I just wish she was a little more secure because she's the only one that I want, which I understand his frustration. Like he hasn't done anything to betray her trust, it sounds like. He's obsessed with her. He's fucking crazy obsessed with her. So, but anyway, he ends up breaking the fourth wall and he's like, put these fucking cameras down. I was like, there's Tommy Lee. There's that Tommy Lee gene. Because I think it was Annabelle where she was like, he has two of like the coolest parents, not coolest, but you know, like eccentric parents. I love Pam. I can't lie. I love Pam Anderson. But he has two parents who are very out there and he's just so calm and quiet. And you're kind of like, you good, dude? (laughs) But yeah, that was definitely interesting. And I wish they broke the fourth wall more. I feel like this last episode, it was more just like Spencer and Heidi spending. There was one crystal that they spent $75,000 on. 
Now, last I heard, per episode, they each made $175,000. I don't know how correct that is. I also read that they made $75,000 per episode, so it depends who you read it from, and I don't know if Spencer and Heidi have ever said it on their podcast, but that is like a whole paycheck. And not even, that's like, that is somebody's fucking salary times two, right? Like, that's not money that people typically make a year. Um, But it was definitely very crazy to hear how much they spend. And then they spend 40 to 50,000 on promoting and like marketing. And I'm like, you two have a huge following. I don't really get that. But of course, you need to spend money to make money. I just think they're spending far too much money. Um, I try and budget my money the best I can. I like to think I'm kind of good at it, not great at it. The last few months, I definitely haven't been incredible. But yeah, this episode was absolutely a snooze fest. Um, But I will say, Caroline, I did a Zoom with Caroline after the episode, and she was so nice and, like, responsive, and I got sent some of her pasta sauce, and it's actually really fucking good. Like, I'm not just saying that because it was sent to me. Her vodka pasta sauce, I never, I maybe I have had vodka pasta sauce, and I didn't know it. Holy shit, it was so good. And she also sent some organic pasta, and I was like, what is this? This isn't Barilla pasta. (laughs) But yeah, really good pasta, super nice. She should be coming on the podcast soon. We're going to work something out. So if you have any questions, keep it in the back of your mind. Of course, I will put something up. But somebody asked me to kind of like recap Spencer and Heidi's podcast as well. I had to stop listening to it. I think the way that they were speaking about addiction and how Jason is handling, you know, his sobriety, they tried to compare it to Holly. I think people need to realize like sobriety is different for everybody And they were basically like, well, Holly's the best sober person on the planet. She's been sober for 10 years. And she doesn't think Jason's good being sober and doing TV either. And I I don't know. You know, I've talked about my mom's struggles with sobriety and addiction and, and all that. So I just felt like I should stop listening before I got really angry. And But if you guys listen to it, if you guys like Spidey, again, I don't, you know, I'm not going to be like, you're wrong. I hate you. I just don't personally like them and hearing them, you know, talk about alcoholism as one day you just can't stop drinking. Then you end up on the streets and do crack and you come home and you find out your wife left you like Sean fucking whatever's last Stewart. Sean Stewart's like so awful for saying that and Spencer agreeing. And I don't know. I don't know. It really bothers me. But I will say this. The tape has come up a lot recently and I'm kind of like, we have the tape in the past. I have said, even if there was a sex tape between Jason and Lauren It doesn't matter if it was true or not. It just matters who spread the rumors. Spencer keeps saying Jason did it. At one point, um, Stephanie also said that Jason did it. But then I found an article from People Magazine from 2015 where Spencer says that he is the one who spread that rumor. He was like, I needed to. She was trying to ruin us on TV, and I had to ruin her. I had to drop an atomic bomb or whatever he said. I had a torpedo. I don't really remember. But yeah, he admitted to it in 2015, so I think at some point somebody needs to call them out just to be like, who? what is it? Like, what's true at this point? You know what I mean? But yeah, I have stopped listening to the Spidey podcast just because I think I was just getting too upset listening to them kind of, I don't know. It doesn't sound like they're, I don't know. It was just, I know everybody handles people who have addiction issues in their life differently, but the way that I handle it is very different from theirs. So I, I just, I couldn't, I couldn't do it. But yeah, those are my thoughts on last week's new beginnings. Um, overall, not great. Next week seems good, though. I mean, 
I guess we'll see what happens. And you know, a lot of people say that Ashley bullies Heidi and Spencer, but I do think if my best friend or someone who I was dating, if someone was like questioning their sobriety and being like, don't relapse, bro, or whatever he said, I probably wouldn't be nice to them either. So I'm just throwing that out there. But yeah, those are the Hills New Beginnings thoughts. I want to know your guys' thoughts. Let me know. There are a lot of audio clips in this episode. I'm about to play an audio clip in three, two, one. You are the type of person that when anybody needs help, you've always tried to help them out. But there was a lot of betrayal. No way! What did I do? You know what What did I do? What? There was someone that took this person away from you. People who you thought were your friends turned out to be your enemy. Sounds about right. I mean, what's next, though? Like, what, really, like, what's next? For the first time in a long time, I really don't know. The drama of it all. That was the promotion for season five of The Hills, part one, of course, because it is broken up into two parts. And what I did decide is after the, like, Lauren leaves, I'm going to go back and do Laguna season three and then do the Kristen season just because I kind of feel like those aren't the same. I feel like it's a whole different show and I don't mind breaking away from The Hills for a little bit just because this is another 20-episode season. So yeah, I am going to split it up that way. I do like Laguna Beach season three a lot, and I know you guys asked about it. So that is how I'm going to incorporate season three into the podcast. But yeah, how intense was that? And I can remember being like, how the fuck is this like station going to last without Lauren Conrad? <laughs> My heart was so broken that she was leaving the hills, but obviously it all worked out in the end. But do you guys remember like how much drama that was? And some of the behind the scenes stuff, you have to remember, this is when Spidey was damn near at their worst. It's when they were doing so many staged photo ops. It's when they thought they were true producers of the show and that they should get special treatment and just all this stuff. There was, you know, Audrina, there were like rumors that Audrina really hated Lauren and it was just, it was starting to also become very obvious that it was a fake show. And MTV had to kind of like battle that as well. So season five, it starts off. And of course, we know that it is Lauren's last season. I want to know, what did you guys think? Did you, were you guys like, how fucking dare she? And what's crazy, she almost had another show on MTV, but it was just never picked up. Um, But yeah, basically, this is when Spencer and Heidi started to really be more in the public eye, started to really trash the hills trash Lauren much more openly. And I will say the trashing of Lauren, I feel like it's always come from Spencer a little bit more than it's come from Heidi. I almost feel like whenever Spencer is going off about Lauren, Heidi's like, stop, 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 stop. Which I can appreciate to a point, but I don't know. You're still letting your your husband like talk all this shit about someone. Um, and I don't know if Lauren's ever really said that much in the last, I don't know, 15, 10 years since the show ended. Whereas, you know, anyway... Anyway, you guys, I'm not going to I'm not going to repeat myself over and over. I I do it all the time. I apologize. But 
the outside looking into the hills. This is when we saw, I don't know if you guys remember, I can't find this picture anywhere either. So if you guys know where to find it, please send it to me. I promise you I will give you credit. But we saw pictures of like, it was like a movie, right? Like Lauren's driving, but she's actually on a trailer and there's a cameraman like sitting on the hood of her car. So she's not really even driving it. And they were like, no, 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 that's for safety issues. And I believe James Corden said the same thing when he kind of got caught doing that. And then there were other scenes where there were pictures of Spidey with basically like cameras attached at all angles of their car. And they were like, no, it's just to get the right footage. Again, it's safety. But this is when people were finally starting to put pieces together of how fake The Hills was. Although in the episode I'm about to do, which is season five, episode one, there is a very unscripted scene and I can't wait to get into that. So like I said earlier, this is episode one of season five. It's called Don't Cry on Your Birthday. And there are a lot of audio clips, but I will of course let you know because I know sometimes they are loud. I am sorry. But Lauren reminds us about last season and we're reminded that Spencer actually put Heidi first for the first time in their relationship. He decided in the courtroom, you know, they're gonna have a real wedding. They're not gonna get married in a courtroom. They're gonna go and they're gonna get their asses married in a church like Heidi wanted. Lauren wouldn't repair her relationship with Spencer in the mix. She made that very clear. She's kind of like, you know, Heidi's fine, but not with Spencer. Like she could not be a half friend to Heidi. Now it was my birthday and Audrina and Lo were planning a surprise party, but it was Heidi who was about to give me the biggest surprise of all. The opening scene is not with Lauren. Again, I still feel like Lauren was slowly becoming a side character at this point because I mean, she was dating that Kyle Douglas guy by this point. She wasn't really talking about him. She doesn't talk about him actually. She was having secret boyfriends and producers were getting frustrated with her that she would not share her love life. I remember that being something that production talked about in interviews. They were like, you know, she was very quiet about her love life. By the end, she wanted some kind of privacy. No, Lauren, you should have showed us fucking everything, okay? Anyway, back at Snack Bar. Life is relaxed right now, Steph says. But then she says, school's crazy. And Heidi's like, was Lauren in your class? Lauren wasn't there the first day. Remember, Lauren does not go to school anymore. This storyline is played the fuck out. I also feel like that was starting to be exposed too. That Lauren like wasn't in college. We all needed to stop pretending. Kind of like in Vanderpump Rules, how they eventually were like, yeah, they don't really work here, right? Like Stassi actually has a super like great podcast and book deals and all this stuff. And when I say super great, I never fucking listened to it. I meant super successful. <laughs> but the only one who still worked there was like Sheena. But Heidi then brings up Lauren's birthday party and she's like, best friend remembers. Steph says with like her head bobble that she always does when she speaks. And Steph tells her, Lo is throwing the party and it's going to be on a yacht. Don't worry. Lauren Conrad and Lo Bosworth are not yacht girls. I wonder if Heidi would have been if she never found Spencer. I'm surprised that Spencer never had her be a yacht girl. But anyway, Heidi wants to go, but she wasn't invited. And Steph's like, just go with me. It'll be fine. Will it, Steph? Is that like the move? I feel like you're constantly on thin ice. Is this really the move you want to make? Is this... Is this the one? So the next scene, we have Audrina and Lo, and they're going on a little stroll, and they're getting along better, it seems. Remember last season, they hated each other, but things are good right now, and Lo is super excited about the party. And she asks Audrina if she's talked to Frankie or Brody about the boat, and Audrina just goes, Frankie just said keep in, keep in touch, and, and Lauren has no idea. 
What does that mean, Frankie? I feel like Frankie Sneaky has all the hookups in LA. Still to this day, I think Frankie knows some people who know some people. Do you guys remember the show Grounded for Life? That's quite the throwback show. But there was one episode where Uncle Eddie, who's very funny, he's like, I know a lot of people. And then he says, how many people do you know? He goes, I know about 70 people. I feel like that's Frankie Delgado. But they pick up the cake and Lo asks if Justin is going. I didn't invite him. The ring, the ring didn't mean anything. I don't know why he gave it to me. We don't know why either, Audrina, but we're glad that you're finally seeing the light. And you know what? I am going to say this season of The Hills New Beginnings, Justin Bobby, everyone's like, oh, he's so misunderstood. I agree to a point, but he also is getting a very good edit. I will say. I think Justin Bobby is a con artist, actor type of dude. I do not think he's like a genuine guy, but I will say the scene between him and his dad was very sweet. Anyway, back to season five, episode one. Audrina says Palm Springs was great, but no, no drama on Lauren's birthday. And we find out that neither of them invited Heidi. They're both like, nope, this is a Heidi-free zone. So they think. Did anyone tell staff? But Lo just says, when someone turns you down so many times, wouldn't you try to make, like, new friends? That's a good point. If I kept calling someone to, like, hang out or texting them, being like, want to hang out, want to get dinner, want to do this, and they kept saying no, I would stop hitting them up. Like, that's simple. <laughs> I don't want to hurt my own feelings. I'm all, like, my feelings are always hurt. I don't need to hurt them more. The next scene, we're in the limo to Lauren's birthday party, and Lo sticks the champagne out the window and she like pops it and everyone was like, oh my God, that's going to hit a car. She's like, I held on to the cork. Like, what the fuck? Because <laughs> when she did that, I was like, why is she doing that? Not, I guess if someone's window was up, it wouldn't hurt them. But if a window was down, that could take out an eyeball easy. But she says that she always holds on to the cork. And Lauren's like, I like to pop it. You know how sometimes she talks like that? She's like, I like to pop it. And Audrey's like, yeah, but then it goes everywhere. I know, but it's so much fun. <laughs> It doesn't always go everywhere when you pop it, if you know how to fucking pop a bottle of champagne. If any of you are in Nashville and need help popping a bottle of champagne, I will show you how to pop one without it getting everywhere, where you can let the cork fly and you will not get any spillage, because I'm a pro. But they all end up doing a cheers, and then we go to Heidi getting ready in her closet. She looks great. She's wearing some kind of like sequined silver dress, and her makeup looks great. Do you think I'm going to be thrown off the boat? Heidi asks with like a big smile. There's a good chance, Heidi. There's a good chance you might you might be tossed off. Walk the plank. Do you remember that when we were kids, you'd always make people like walk the plank? I wonder if kids now do that. If anyone has kids, let me know if they still pretend to be pirates and like shove people off planks when they don't want them to hang out anymore. <laughs> but Heidi didn't tell anyone that she's going, not even Spencer. He thinks we're going for a girl's night out. Like, he doesn't, he doesn't think that we're going to anything spe specific for Lauren. And of course, Stephanie is very stressed by this. Stephanie is like, oh God, I am not lying to my brother. He's fucking banana land. I don't want to deal with him. But right after that, Spencer pops in at the perfect time. And he's like, what, uh, what other ladies are uh, going out tonight? And Heidi looks at Steph and she's like, I don't know. It's Steph's friends. And Steph's like... I, I didn't arrange this. I don't know, Audrina, Low, maybe, Heidi says. Is Queen Biatch, LC, Roland, or what? And Heidi's like, yeah. 
she just quickly goes like, yeah, yeah, she's gonna be there. But Spencer is going to the club. He's like, that's fine. I'm going for a boy's night out to the club with my, with my playboys. <laughs> he doesn't say that. He probably says homies or dogs or something. But the limo pulls up and Lauren is blindfolded. We see her getting out of the limo and it's just Audrina and Lo helping her across this like bridge. She's like, are we over water? And Audrina's like, we're just on a bridge. Be quiet. Brody pops his head out and he's like, they're here, they're here, be quiet, shh, 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 everyone, shh, 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 we gotta, we, you know, we're, I'm Brody Jenner, you gotta fucking listen, shh, shh, shh. But she walks in, they all yell surprise, and Lauren like immediately swings and jumps at them. So that was a true surprise. This whole thing was a surprise because again, this was still when she did not want to film with Heidi. Like she still wanted no, nothing to do with Heidi. She didn't want to film with Heidi and Spencer. But anyway, she like jumps forward and almost punches Frankie in the face. It's very funny. She's very exciting. And they start gambling on the boat. And it almost reminds me, I don't know if you guys remember this episode of Punked. I believe Ashton was punking Wilmer Valderrama because they had like gambling nights in LA sometimes. And they made like the feds break it up. Quote unquote feds, of course. But yeah, that was just, it popped into my head immediately. I was like, oh, this reminds me of that episode of Punked. But anyway, we are at the dime. And this is when we meet Stacy, the bartender, who is fucking beautiful. I guess I didn't remember her being like super hot, but Stacy, the bartender, is a babe. And Spencer's there with Charlie. They're, they're doing shots of Patron. And I am a person who will have one shot of tequila and that's it. If I have more than one shot of tequila, I become a nightmare. Because darling, I'm a nightmare dressed like a fucking nightmare when I have tequila. Did you know if you get married in Mexico, it's not legal? Spencer says to Stacy. Yeah, it's a different country. I don't know what her voice is. But she's like, yeah, of course I knew that. She reminds me of Danielle Harris. She reminds me of Rachel Gatina. Her voice, especially. But they all talk about taking another shot. They do another shot. And then Spencer's like, that's the best shot I've ever heard in my whole life. And then he does this absolutely hideous shoulder dance. If you look up Spencer Pratt gifts, I bet you it pops up. But it's like this heinous smile shoulder thing that he does. And I'm like... Whoa, dude, stop it. All the nights that you spent at Lay Do and you're telling me you can't have any rhythm at all. You're telling me that is your go-to move. And I know people, they're like, we didn't really dance at Lay Do. We just stood around. Listen, used to grind at Lay Do. Don't you lie to me. I know you grinded at Lay Do at least once if you were in LA. <laughs> I used to grind at Club Hell in Providence, Rhode Island. So that's, that's where we're different. But you're kind of like, is he flirting with Stacy? Am I flirting with Stacy? Is Char am I flirting with no, never Spencer, but Charlie? Am I flirting with him? But there just seems to be some some energy going on between Mr. Spencer and Stacy the bartender. So back at the party, Brody makes sure that they cheers to Lauren. And let me tell you, where's my hug energy is the same as I gotta do a cheers energy. They're one and the same. I'm telling you, think about it. It's the same energy. And Brody has that genetic makeup in him. But we see stuff in Heidi showing up. And Heidi walks in. Lauren hugs her. And Steph kind of walks over to Lo. And she's like, you think this is okay? If she's here, she's here. You know what I mean? Lo says. And then we see the boat pulling away. And Lauren walks up to Lo and Steph. And I'm going to play the audio clip in three, two. So, fun question. Yeah. Um, which one of you... Now, there are a few people who, if they started to scold me, I would be immediately scared. 
The first two, of course, are my parents. If my mom or my dad, I may be 30, but if they started to yell at me, I would cower for a moment and then try and buck up to them and then probably get shot down real quick. The, the I guess, third then would be Lauren Conrad, and the fourth would be Kanye West. I don't want to be scolded by any of these people. I feel like any of them would make me feel really bad about myself, and I don't have that kind of energy. So I almost <laughs> feel bad for Steph when she's like, yeah, I know it wasn't low. And you're kind of like, oh, shit. But back to Steph and Lauren. Do you want us to go? Steph asks. Steph, we're in the middle of a harbor. And you have to remember, they talk about being on a boat like pretty pretty frequently in this episode. There's one of the best quotes of all time. There are a few good scenes in this one, but anyway. She's her own person aside from Spencer. That part you love is still there. And then Lauren says, it's entirely about your brother. It's not fair to be like, hey, let's go back to being friends, but don't mention the person you're in love with. That's not a fair relationship. She's right. This is growth. Lauren is growing. Steph keeps being like, all she wants, this is all she wants. And this is the second audio clip. It's going to be in three, two, one. And it's Heidi in low talking. And Heidi's like, I just don't want to not be with Spencer, but I want to be in her life. And Lowe's like nodding her head. And I think Lowe gives some pretty solid advice. She says, at some point, you need to move on and do what's best for you. Sometimes you need to cut your losses like this. It just is what it is. And Heidi's like nodding her head. And she goes, okay, I'm going to go play a game. And Lowe's like, all right, bye. But back at the dime, we see Spencer again flirting with Stacy, and Cameron walks in. Spencer says, hey, and Cameron's like, where's wifey? And if you don't remember who Cameron is, I don't blame you. He dated Steph for like three episodes. Guys night out, Spencer says. He asks about Steph, and Spencer's like, oh, I thought you two were done. thought you guys broke up. And then he asks about the bartender, and he's like, yeah, Stacy's a wild one. And Spencer just keeps eyeing her, so it looks. Of course, it's probably editing. But he goes back and sits next to the bar and he's like, what, what gets you up dancing? What song do you think she says? What song does every girl say gets them up on a bar dancing if they've watched the movie Coyote Ugly? Pour some sugar on me. Of course she says pour some sugar on me. Let me tell you, American Woman by um, Lenny Kravitz would make me go insane. Let me just say that. I'm just, if anyone ever sees me at a bar and they're like, how do I get Kelly on that bar? Play American Woman. And I'll immediately be asked to get off the bar and probably thrown out. But but that's neither here nor there. But she's like, that's the ultimate strip song. And he's like, yeah, that was probably your past life. Or he, he I don't know, that he says, you really missed your calling, Stacy. So are you saying she should have been a stripper? Not that there's anything wrong with that. Just throwing that out there. If you're a stripper, good for you. You make a lot of money and dance. I can't do either. <laughs> But Cameron then says Spencer is macking on Stacy and pulls out his phone and he starts to text. And we're like, oh, who is he texting? Lauren goes to blow out her candles because we're back at the yacht. And Frankie and Brody do it first. They're like over her shoulders. They blow out the candles. And Lauren or Lowe walks away with the cake. You can tell Lowe is like annoyed. And then fucking Brody runs up and like takes a massive bite out of the side of the cake and runs away. Okay, that is also where's my hug and let's do a cheers energy. 
But back to Steph, we see that she gets the text and she shows Audrina, and they both say, don't tell Heidi. Then Steph tells Heidi, right? Steph, Heidi like pops in. She's like, what, what's going on? It looks like you guys got bad news. What are you stressed about? And Steph tells Heidi that Spencer was flirting with a bartender. And Heidi's like, I need to get off this boat. I need to go right now. This is my worst nightmare. I need to leave. You're on a boat. You're on a boat. You're not going anywhere. But Lauren sits with Audrina, and Audrina fills her in on all the drama. Audrina's like, yeah, I guess that um, Spencer was flirting with girls, and, and Heidi got upset, and they both left. We're on a boat, <laughs> is all that Lauren says, and that is one of the funniest lines in Hill's history. But Heidi calls Spencer and says, her blood is boiling. He's like, she's like, my, my blood is boiling. I'm so mad right now. Lauren goes to check on Heidi. But back at the dime, Spencer picks up his phone and you hear Heidi going, are you taking shots with the bartender? And Lauren's just like awkwardly next to her. Like I said, if you do rewatch these episodes along with As I Go, you'll see like Lauren standing almost outside a frame, just like looking at her being like, what, what is going on? Am I, I mean, what, what are you doing, Heidi? I'm offended you're asking me who's spreading these rumors, Spencer says with a big smile. Cameron told Steph. And he just goes, Cameron's told Steph, Cameron, I'm about to go beat him up. And he just hangs up. And that's exactly what he does. Cameron ends up standing up because Spencer's like, yo, homie, we need to talk. We need to talk. Did you say I was flirting with girls? I mean, I just said you were hitting on the bartender. Are you trying to get hurt, Cameron? Don't smile. Don't smile at me. Don't fucking smile at me, is what Spencer keeps saying. Spencer ends up taking off his jacket. And this is not written down. Right, Cameron is kind of like, whoa, 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 he's going off script. Like, you can see Cameron looking confused as fuck. And Spencer is boiling. This is the real Spencer. I don't care what anybody says. But Spencer takes off his jacket. Hit me first so I can mess you up. Touch me, dog, so I can fuck you up. And Cameron, like, touches his shoulder. And Spencer's like, push me, push me. Don't just fucking touch me. But he doesn't push him. And right away, like, Spencer just uppercuts Cameron. And they start really fighting And production ends up stepping in. They're pulling Spencer away from Cameron. But Spencer's like landing punches. I'm pretty sure he's probably doing, I know he does jujitsu now. He's probably was doing that then too. But he's like connecting and like really fucking hitting Cameron. It's a very stressful situation. I don't like physical fights. Give me a verbal altercation all day. But if it's a physical one, even like those, remember when viral fights were like a big thing on like World Star or whatever? I couldn't watch those. They'd stress me out. Like my heart would get like brrrr. But we see Spencer be like, I'm leaving, I'm done. I'm go- I'm, he grabs his leather jacket and walks out. And then we see Spencer, and by Spencer, I mean Cameron, standing outside the bar with like a busted open chin. But Heidi ends up sitting with Steph and Audrina saying that this is her nightmare. And then we hear a random voice out of nowhere. It could have been production voice, but it just goes, Spencer just hit Cameron out of nowhere. And Heidi talks to Spencer. She's like, oh my God, you hit him. Why'd you hit him? And she's going home. She needs to get off the boat. She And everyone's like, we're on a fucking boat. You can't just like get off of it, Heidi. Please stop. Please stop it. <laughs> stop it, Heidi. And Lauren, of course, goes to comfort Heidi. But Lauren says, it's fine. Boys fight. It's silly. But how do I even know what, what he was doing at the bar? And Lauren's eyes roll all the way back in her head. And this is the final audio clip of this episode in three, two, one. I mean, can I be real? Yeah. Coming in? Yeah. He's, he's an asshole. Like, 
like, he's an awful person. I'm shaking. I'm actually shaking. I don't know what to do. I've never had anything like this happen before. And the last thing I want to do is come here on your birthday and be the party crasher and cause all this drama. And I know you and Spencer have had all these differences, and it's hard for both of us. And, you know, I just wanted to be able to have it be somewhat normal. I feel like it's not fair to say to you, but like the person you love, I don't think he's nice. So I don't, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I don't know. It's not, it's not like we thought this would happen. So the two girls just cry it out and sometimes you need to do that. And Heidi kind of smiles. She's like, don't cry, it's your birthday. And I feel like they needed that good cry. They needed a good drunk cry with one another. But can I be honest? I think friendship breakups are really fucking hard. I think they are some of the hardest things you'll ever do. And at least these two got closure and they understand why they can't be friends. And it does suck that Lauren can't be friends with Spencer, but I also understand why she can't be friends with Spencer. You know, I was actually saying at my birthday dinner, all the people who were there, there were six of us, I believe, seven. And all of them I have been friends with basically since I moved here. There have been a lot of friends that have filtered in and out of my life since I moved to Nashville almost four years ago. And I will say, like, they just kind of come and go. And I don't know what it is. I don't know if I expect almost too much from a friend. And I probably do. I can admit that. But some people, it's just, you know, the idea of me not being friends with someone anymore and them never telling me why, like, they stopped texting me. They let me, like, didn't even give me a heads up on why, what happened. That really bothers me. And that happens a lot, especially, like, especially here. I don't know if it's just because it's a transient city People are always leaving, but there are some people who I thought I was really, really close with, and then out of nowhere, I don't hear from them. Out of nowhere, when I'm, you know, trying to see if they're feeling okay, they just stop responding or whatever the case may be. I just, I really hate it, and I'm also not a fan of, like, fake-ass people either, so that could probably be a little bit why some of those people did not hang around as long as I hoped. That's no shade to anybody. I don't want you guys thinking I'm throwing shade not throwing shade like it's sunny, but like Heidi looks at Lauren and she just goes, I don't know what to do. And Lauren smiles. She's like, let's have a drink and then we can go from there. And Lauren's like, I never want to fucking see you again. Please stop talking about me all the time for years and years to come. But they hug. It's the end of the night. Lauren, like I said, Lauren and Heidi hug. They say goodbye. Heidi leaves with Steph. Lauren gets in the limo with her gals. And that's the end of the episode. And I feel like we're kind of on the fence whether they're going to be friends again. We did not know. Or maybe we did. I'm going to guess we probably knew they weren't friends just because so many stories with Us Weekly and Star Magazine with Spidey. 
But I do think it's quite the way to start a season. And like I said, that scene with them crying is one of my all-time favorite Hills scenes. We don't talk about it nearly enough, but it's a great one. All right, my good people, it is time to grab a drink, whether it is champagne, a White Claw, water, coffee, Diet Dr. Pepper, regular Coke, whatever you're drinking, get a bottle or a cup. <laughs> it's time for some pop culture brunch. Let us start with Mr. Scooter Braun. I realized, I forgot to talk about him the other week, last episode that I had, and he has now deactivated all social media. Now, some people will say it's because he was so bullied by the Taylor Swift fans. Of course, they're going to blame Swifties. I mean, they're fucking crazy, but there's a different rumor going on. There is a rumor in the blind celebrity gossip circle that he got his mistress pregnant, and that is why he got divorced in the first place. Because let's be clear, I have heard that him and Yale had a open relationship, allegedly. Allegedly, like, he could kind of do whatever he wanted as long as he didn't get caught, didn't make her look stupid. Well, it looks like he done got caught. And I guess we'll see if this is true. I do not know. But seeing that he did, in fact, deactivate social media, when he's actually usually, like, pretty pretty active on social media. One time him and I got into a Twitter fight. That was pr pretty cool. It wasn't even a fight. I was just the only person he responded to, and it haunts me to this day because believers came after me. <laughs> He was like, I know she's a Swifty, I'm going to get her ass. But no, apparently there was a prenup, so that was there. But yeah, there are a lot of rumors that he uh, he got his uh, mistress pregnant. So I guess we're going to have to wait and see how that plays out. The master of spin has a couple side flings. Good wives always know, in the words of the poet Taylor Swift. <laughs> Just when I heard that, I was like, can you fucking imagine can you fucking imagine if that's true? I will lose my shit. I will absolutely lose my mind. Kanye West recently performed at the Mercedes-Benz Arena in Atlanta, and apparently he has not left since the performance. Now his performance consisted of him playing some tracks from the new album Donda that has yet to be released. A lot of people thought it was gonna be released on Friday, but apparently he's still working on it. And he's living like a phantom opera kind of life right now. Like. He just had a bed brought to the arena because he likes the vibes there and he's going to finish his album there. How phantom of the megaplex of him. Could you imagine? Could you imagine like having that much money where you're like, yeah, see this whole arena? I'm going to bring a bed here and then I'm going to finish my work of art. Absolutely crazy. Um, Kim was there to support him at the Donda West premiere or kind of premiere preview. I guess I'll call it a preview. I guess tickets were like 20 bucks. And I did see on eBay, somebody was selling air from the event on eBay. I mean, that's insane. I wanna, I've never bought anything off eBay. I remember one time I thought I was gonna like get rich off eBay when I was in like eighth grade. And I was like, mom, can I put all this stuff on eBay? She's like, absolutely not. There's no, no, go home, <laughs> go home. I was home. She was like, get out of here. We're not gonna try and make you a fortune on eBay. Like, <laughs> What we actually did, my mom had a second job cleaning banks and I would go there and clean banks with her and get like 40 bucks a week or something. She'd give me 40 bucks, whatever it was. But that's the job we settled on <laughs> rather than me selling things on eBay. <laughs> but I'm excited for the album. Apparently Jay-Z's on it. So it seems like him and Jay-Z have mended their friendship a bit. A lot of people thought that Kim Kardashian was the reason they weren't friends. I don't know if that ever came out as true, but I know that instead of going to Kim and Kanye's wedding, 
Beyonce and Jay-Z went to Taylor Swift's birthday party. But it seems like somehow the hatchet has been buried. And I think Jay and Kanye make great music together. So I'm excited to see what comes of that. Now, in absolutely incredible news, the surreal life is coming back. It's going to come back this fall for VH1. Dennis Rodman will be on it. August Alsina, who is the one who had an open relationship with Jada Pinkett Smith. Or what did she say? She said she had, they, it was some word I'm trying to think. It'll, it'll come to me like halfway through this brunch, I swear. But adult film star Stormy Daniels, singer slash reality TV star Tamar Braxton, Frankie Muniz, who we all know from Malcolm in the Middle, Agent Cody Banks, Big Fat Liar, My Dog Skip, Shall I Go On? Kim Coles from Living Single, wrestler CJ Perry, and YouTuber Manny Moi, M-U-A, makeup artist. I know that stands for makeup artist. I don't watch like YouTubers. I think I've said that. I feel like they're all just like a lot. Every once in a while, I'll watch like a Jeffree Star or something, but that's it. But I truly cannot wait. The series initially ran for six seasons between 2003 and 2006. It included celebrities like Corey Feldman, MC Hammer, David Collier, Ron Jeremy, Charo, and more. The series also churned out spinoffs, including <laughs> Strange Love, starring Flava Flav and Brigitte Nielsen, Flavor of Love, Rock of Love, I Love New York, and My Fair Brady, starring Adrian Curry and Christopher Knight. And the word that I was looking for was an entanglement. But I am very excited for this reboot. This is a reboot I can get behind 110%. I'm excited to see Frankie Muniz. I don't know. I kind of feel like, I don't know what it is about him. I've always loved him. He was like one of my biggest crushes when I was younger. And I remember my mom being like, yeah, that's the one. Frankie Muniz, that's the one you're going to have a crush on? I was like, yes, mother. <laughs> I don't know if you guys saw on TikTok, there was a video of Jesse McCartney trying to run off stage. He ended up tripping, falling, and it was like played all over the place. And they were like, is Jesse McCartney Okay. And then he responded to it being like, ha ha, guys, glad you got your laugh. And one thing about Jesse McCartney, I used to, at my old company, we used to like host or sponsor this room with a local radio station where people would come in. I've talked about it before. I saw like Five Seconds of Summer, Brantley Gilbert, Danielle Bradbury, and Jesse McCartney came in once. And when I tell you, he was kind of rude. I'm going to say that. And of course, everybody has bad days. I just want to start off by saying that. But he was late. Apparently, he wasn't feeling well. But there was like a line of people outside. And that was what the radio people were saying. They were like, you know, there's a line of fans. We're running about 10 minutes late. And his either agent or manager just went, they're just fans. They can wait. And from that moment on, Jesse McCartney has left a bad taste in my mouth. I did not like that. I know he didn't say it. I don't like that his manager said it. He was very nice to fans. Like as they took pictures, he like gave them hugs, shook their hands, did whatever. But I will say him being, or letting, him allowing someone on his team to just be like, they're just fans. I was like, Jesse McCartney, you're fucking lucky anybody is here. And he only sang a little bit of Beautiful Soul because his voice was upsetting him, which upset me greatly. But that is my Jesse McCartney story. And when I saw that he couldn't even like laugh at himself falling, I was like, yeah, that, that, that adds up. I don't know if you guys saw, but Normani and Cardi B released a song together called Wild Side. And I am so glad Normani is finally getting some more, like, eyes on her. I always thought she was so talented. I was a big Fifth Harmony fan. Like, I always felt like I was a little too old. I think, I don't know when they came out. It's whenever X Factor was on. 
but I was always like a really big fan of them. And I always loved Lauren Guarini. That's probably not how you say her last name. Just not like Justin Guarini, but I always loved Lauren. And then I also loved Normani. Lauren, I don't know what she's up to. I hope she's doing well, but I love that Normani is getting that attention because she absolutely deserves it. She is so talented. She can sing, she can dance, she can do fucking everything. And I'll always feel like Camila Cabello wasn't really the most talented one. She was just the one who left first. It just, ugh. I do feel like, and I think Normani said this, or maybe another member of Fifth Harmony said, they felt like L.A. Reid really kind of blocked them from becoming bigger because Camila was signed to their record label. So the label put all this money behind her solo project, Camilla's solo project, and Fifth Harmony had another album after she left. They had a great song called Angel, but nobody wants to talk about it because the record label did not put money behind it. Instead, they just put money behind Havana Na Na Na. So that's a little Fifth Harmony tea, if you've ever wondered. But yeah, super excited for her. I know the song charted, and it got a lot of people talking, and she deserves all the success in the world. I think Normani is like so incredibly talented. I also don't know if you guys know about all the da baby drama that's going on right now. Rolling Loud was this weekend, and Meg Thee Stallion performed, and da baby also performed with Tory Lanez. Now let's go back a few months. I believe it was earlier this year, maybe even late last year. Meg Thee Stallion got shot by Tory Lanez, and I have talked about this before. If that was like Taylor Swift, is if that was even like Selena Gomez, Demi Lovato, anybody else, because. Meg Thee Stallion's like top of her fucking game. I don't care what anybody says. She has hit after hit after hit. She is per, she's always on the radio. So could you imagine if like Taylor Swift got shot in the foot? How people would lose their fucking minds. But Meg Thee Stallion, people didn't even believe she got shot. Like it really bothers me and it just shows how different people are treated in the media. But it was Tory Lanez who shot her. And DaBaby is taking Tory Lanez out on tour. Now, he brought Tory Lanez out on in Rolling Loud over the weekend, and somebody threw a shoe at him, at DaBaby, after that. And DaBaby was like, who ever threw that nasty-ass Adidas? Like, fuck you. And anyway, what else happened with DaBaby is he basically said, if you are a homosexual who isn't sucking dick in the parking lot of Rolling Loud, put your phone up. I don't even know. I feel like I hear a lot of things about him and a lot of things that he says. And if I was his PR person, I would just quit. Because even on his Instagram story, he was basically like, no, my gay fans don't do that. My gay fans wouldn't do that. They're respectful. And I'm like, what? Just shut the fuck up. Just shut the fuck up, dude. Like, and, and also going back to like Tory Lanez. Sorry, I'm kind of like bouncing all over the place with this one. But going back to Tory Lanez... He ended up, DaBaby liked a tweet being like, the reason I like Tory Lanez and DaBaby is because they both shot people and didn't go to jail. DaBaby liked that tweet. He unliked it. But Meg Thee Stallion deserves some fucking respect. Put some motherfucking respect on her name. It just, it's so frustrating. And, you know, I'm not here for cancel culture. You know, even though at one point, I think I, the way I explained it, it's like, I will cancel him for me. But I don't, I think people should be, like, able to grow and all that. But, like, he's canceled for me. Levitating, I'm sorry. Dua Lipa, I need a version. Maybe there is a version without him. I don't fucking know. But it's not the one on the radio. Sometimes I'm just like, guys, stop fucking talking. Like, that's all you have to do is, like, not speak. 
that's it. And you guys are listening, you're probably like, Kelly, sometimes that's all you have to do too. <laughs> I don't know if you guys knew this, but Tommy Dorfman from 13 Reasons Why and Lucas Hedges, who was in Manchester by the Sea and Lady Bird, they are allegedly dating. They've been spending a lot of time together and they were recently spotted. I love this so much. They were recently spotted together at the Greek theater in Los Angeles. And know what movie they were watching? They were watching Josie and the Pussycats, which is one of the greatest movies of all time. If I ever do a movie review, usually I do that with Annabelle because she has to edit that and I don't have to deal with that. But if I do one, it will be about Josie and the Pussycats and how Josie and the Pussycats is one of the greatest movies of all time. I shit you not, when that soundtrack came out, I was like, mom, we need to go to FYE right now. Like, we need to go now. She's like, whoa. Like, she ended up, someone she worked with had a second job there and they like held the CD for me. And I just, it was such like a big moment for me. I was like, oh my God, I was Josie for Halloween in fifth grade. I spray painted my hair red and wore cat ears and a cat tail. And everyone thought I was a cat. And I just had to be like, no, I'm fucking Josie. I'm Josie and the Pussycats, okay? Uncultured people not knowing who Josie and the Pussycats are. I'm so excited the challenge is coming back. You guys know how much I love the challenge. And yes, I promise I'll talk about the challenge. Unfortunately, it was spoiled for me, but I'm not going to spoil it for you because I don't do that. I'm not going to be like Twitter. I'm not going to be like Twitter. I don't even follow fucking spoiler accounts. But you know, sometimes if you follow someone and they like something, it pops up on your feed. And that's what happened to me. And I was like, that's just the rudest thing. Like, why would you, why would you ever, ever do that to me? Fuck you, Twitter. But yes, that happened. Oh, if you guys are bored, I have to tell you guys about this Reddit. There is a Reddit called Celeb Wives of Nashville. And this Reddit is so much fun to read. Now, I don't know if you guys have heard, but I do not like Bobby Bones. I just, I find him very like inauthentic. And I'm like, nobody loves Bobby as much as Bobby loves Bobby. Maybe at one point he was really relatable, but now I just, he just drives me crazy. And please, the B team, please don't come after me. Like, please, I take it back if you're going to fight me. If you're not going to fight me, I don't take it back. But he was actually on that Reddit page commenting and being like, my wife does work. My wife doesn't do paid ads. My wife does. And I was kind of like, aren't you busy? I feel like that's a lot of work. <laughs> I'm like, don't you have a lot going on? Why are you on this Reddit? Like, you don't see Michael Ray jumping on there being like, hey, no, I didn't cheat on Carly Pierce. No, I'm a good dude. Like, when I saw Bobby was, like, commenting, I was so intrigued. And then there are a bunch of threads about a bunch of different people. The way I found it, basically, Shannon Ford posted about the Reddit. And I'm like, I got to read it. And unfortunately, people can be, you know, tough on people. But the Bobby Bones one is what I stuck around for. Like, when I read, like, one of the Shannon threads, I was like, ugh, like, meh, leave her alone. But when I saw Bobby Bones was actually commenting on threads, I was like, let's fucking go. <laughs> and I actually don't think Reddit is a bad place. I think you can learn a lot from Reddit. Can we talk about the Olympics really quick? I feel like I need to talk about the Olympics just to get this off my chest because I never know when the Olympics are on. I think sometimes I'm watching it live and it's just highlights. I don't even know what the fuck is going on. I mean, the other night, Saturday night, I took an edible and watched some of the Olympics, but it ended up being like polo, and water polo. And then, no, it was the opening. It was the opening. I was trying to watch the opening of the Olympics and it wasn't for me. That's when I switched on Backstreet Boys. I'm like, this is more my speed, especially with this edible. It was Friday night when I did that. 
And I don't know, the Olympics frustrate me because I'm always like, oh, I really want to watch gymnastics. And then on Twitter, I see that gymnastics has already happened. I'm like, how, how do I miss it every fucking time? Today, I did catch two Olympic events, badminton and then triathlon. Now, badminton is something I'm very passionate about, especially at family events, but I don't think I'm Olympian status, you know? I mean, these... People, like, they have tricks. They have badminton tricks that I've never seen my whole life. Um, but I, I don't know. I don't know. The Olympics stress me out because I always think, I never know when it's on. I never know what's happening. I always feel dumb because then I'm, like, looking on Twitter and I'm like, Simone Biles has already done her shit. Like, what, what is going on? How long is the Olympics? Do I have more time to watch? So the Olympics are stressful for me. Not for the Olympians. They're doing fine. I'm the only one who's stressed right now. Now, last week... MGK decided to bash the movie that he met Megan Fox on. It was called, it's called Midnight in the Switchgrass. And he was basically like, I only promote movies that I think are good or that I was in that I think are good. You know, you know, that's not a cool thing to do, MGK. I know you're like a rock star now. Yeah, fuck, fuck everybody. But I just feel like that's super unprofessional, especially because he met Megan on that and him and Megan are like milking that relationship so hard. I was incorrect. I will say that 100% wrong about their relationship. And I can admit when I'm wrong about things, okay? I don't know if you guys heard that. Someone just ran through one of their fucking cat tunnels. But he trashed that movie. And I guess to me, it's just like be professional, like either say or either promote it or don't say anything at all because now people want to watch it. And I don't think he did that for people to watch it, to be totally honest. Maybe it is an awful movie. I'm kind of guessing it was. Like Emmett Randall Smith, right? Randall Smith. Randall Emmett. Randall Emmett. (laughs) I don't know what the fuck his name is. Lala's Randall. I'm not going to think that he puts together like incredible movies. I'm not going to think a movie that's led by Bruce Willis and Megan Fox is going to be some incredible movie. It's just like either say something or say nothing. You know what I mean? You don't need to be shady about it. Especially because he met his probably wife at some point. He met her on set, and he still looks really gaunt, which makes me nervous. MGK's looks are very nervous to me. I feel like last year he looked good. This year, I'm just, I'm nervous about him. Also, Lala kind of like shaded Megan by standing in front of her at the premiere. He, she stood in front of Megan's spot and covered her name. So I'm guessing there's some real ble- bad blood between them all right now. Now we have to talk about Benifer. Oh, fucking Benifer, bane of my existence at this point. They are playing us like a fiddle. They're not even playing us because we all know what the fuck they're doing. I did see a theory going around that they are simply recreating the Jenny from the Block music video that's coming up on its 20th anniversary. Absolutely. Everything that they've done has been damn near identical to whatever they did 20 years ago, 17 years ago. How? That is so brilliant. And, you know, I've seen a lot of people being like, you know, they're entertaining us. This is what celebrity culture is. No, I guess to a point, but like, I'm, I'm not into it. I'm not into it with these two. I got to admit. And today Jennifer was spotted or JLo. I don't know why I called her by her government official name. JLo was spotted wearing a Ben necklace. And I'm like, you're 52 years old. I mean, you can always be like very, it doesn't matter how old you are. If you have a crush on someone, if you're very into who you're dating, but I'm like, what the fuck? You know what I mean? Like, come on, man. I don't know. These two are exhausting. Of course, they're PR. Of course, people are like loving it. But my God, my God, my God. 
So there has been a lot of updates in the Free Britney case, which we absolutely love. Now, I still don't think she's running her Instagram. I will say that. I think her team is putting all those Instagrams of her like topless and everything out just so there are headlines about those instead of all about the conservatorship. As you guys know, she hired a new lawyer two weeks ago, three weeks ago at this point, and he has already started to overturn the conservatorship. Brittany actually said she wouldn't mind it if Jody stayed like head of the conservatorship as long as there were changes. She basically said she needed her father out because she's a victim of abuse. And I am going to read some excerpts. And it's really, really hard. They're really fucking sad. Um, and you know, this is Britney Spears, right? Like this is Britney fucking Spears, one of the biggest, most photographed people on the planet. And if this is happening to her, I can only imagine what's happening to people across the country. And there was a conversation on the face, um, Instagram where it was like, have you ever thought maybe she needs to stay in her conservatorship? You know, maybe, but this is a such a form of abuse and power and manipulation and just absolute craziness from the beginning. I'm sure she needs someone to help her with her finances. I don't even know what I do with that kind of money, but a full-on conservatorship like this is fucking crazy. I'm going to read you a few excerpts that just became public from her court date on July 14th. And I will say after something went on today with her lawyer, I'm sorry, I don't know all the correct terms, but it was like a petition to remove Jamie. And originally her court date was going to be in December. It got moved all the way to September. Her lawyer thanked her fans for being so vocal. He was like, you know, Brittany really appreciates it. But I'm just going to read you some excerpts of what Brittany said on the court date in Ju on July 14th because it's all come out and it is really hard and there are a lot of triggering things in it. So there's like abuse. I'm going to talk about abuse. I'm going to talk about her being mistreated. So I just wanted to give you that trigger warning. So this all comes from the Instagram at noted your honor. Brittany says, I actually don't mind if this open, this is open. It's totally fine. So I'm about to read you a really long thing that Brittany said in court to the um, judge. And they asked her to slow down speaking because obviously she's speaking quick. And I really think that's just like straight adrenaline. So she starts off by saying, Thank you. I'm here, ma'am, your honor, excuse me, to show you who I want as my lawyer. I have this written down, so bear with me. To show you who I want as my lawyer and to remove my dad altogether. I also, again, want to petition the court to end the conservatorship, but, if, but only if I don't need to be evaluated. I'm not sure why my lawyer didn't, that's her old lawyer, not her new one, have an answer for me on that. I also don't know why... Previous lawyers, not this lawyer now, haven't had an answer. The law is different on the situation in different states, but I've spoken to people where they're able to end conservatorships without being evaluated. Maybe the law is different here. I have no idea. Either way, I don't want to petition if that's the case. I'm not willing to sit with anybody at this point to be evaluated. I'm requesting today to get my dad out as the conservator. I also did a mock-up of my schedule on our last, my last, three weeks ago when I spoke to you. So my dad wants to investigate what I did in the past when I was in the, that place. But um, I did a mock-up of my schedule when I was there. And I know the programs that I was threatened by my own people if I didn't, meaning if she didn't go to these programs, it would be worse for me. Ma'am, there should be no threats at all ever. 
If I don't want to do what they say, I should say no to a show. I should never be threatened, but what they have done is wrong. And I need to go into this made up program. The program was dead wrong. It was wrong the hours I had to be available. I did have some 30 minute breaks in between some of the meetings, but I did have 24 hour a week work days. That's what people do with most part-time jobs. I also have serious abandonment issues. I was always extremely scared of my dad, and I always thought he was going to show up drunk somewhere and embarrass me. At the place, at the place, meaning her, where she was sent. Remember, she kept talking about like she kept being sent to this place. At the place, I had to sit in the wings at that place for a month by myself, seeing five people for meetings. The chef, a nurse in the morning and at night, one security in once security had changed. That's nine people who left me daily. Nine people. Oh, and I forgot my children and my boyfriend got left in the car and um, at least twice. And so that's weekly. That's 63, 63 times a week I was left in that trailer house. 63 times. No, I was not alone, but they left on their shift. I couldn't even leave or go out the front door. Talk about extreme abandonment issues. They knew I was vulnerable and scared and it's not okay. When they drew blood, I would have to use three different needles sometimes to get the vein. Ma'am, and I didn't want to give blood or be on lithium. And this part is really interesting. This is something Troy and I have talked about on multiple occasions, about how her hair is kind of her. Like when she shaved her head, she was kind of shedding Britney Spears in a way. They took my hair vitamins away. Why take someone's hair vitamins away? It's with the pretty packaging, all the boxes that are painted that I bought myself and threw, and they threw all the packaging away so I couldn't see the pretty packaging. Ma'am, that's not abuse. That's just fucking cruelty. And excuse my language, but it's the truth. And there's a million dollar question. Why would they do that? I have no idea. So honestly, I started to think they were trying to kill me. Not only could I not take my $40 pink hair vitamins, but I couldn't even see the packaging for it. And when I heard that, I was just like, wow, this is all she wants. Like, it's so simple, right? Like, the packaging made her happy. That's, it's that simple. They threw it away. They took coffee away from me, which I still haven't been able to drink. My level of privacy started to change three times a day. And I didn't have a say in anything I ate except the weekends, when I couldn't even eat a hamburger or french fries except towards the end of this. I'm here to get rid of my dad and charge him for conservatorship abuse. And frankly, I'm not really sure how immediate restraining orders are placed on my dad after breaking a huge door down to get to my son and shaking him. And we all have to think and wonder if my dad is abusive to me. I'm in the process of getting a new lawyer at this moment. But in the meantime, I'm representing myself and I want to press charges for abuse on behalf of this conservatorship today all of it in removing him as my conservator. And they ask her to slow down. It's just, it's so sad. Like this whole thing, she ends up talking about how her car got taken away from her for eight months because she got a speeding ticket. She went 10 miles over the speeding ticket and her dad didn't let her leave the house basically for eight months. It is just so sad. And they're trying really hard to make it seem like she has a lot more freedom. She doesn't. When you see her driving, there's a security guard behind her. When she pulled up to Starbucks, the security guard had to get out of his car and pay with the card because she can't have her own debit card. There is also an excerpt about how when she was at the place, as she calls it, the facility, the rehab that they forced her into, 
she talks about how there was a therapy dog and she used to just sit there with a therapy dog and cry for hours. And it makes me like tear up. Like I said, like if this can happen to one of the biggest stars on the planet, I hope it opens the doors to let other people talk about their abuse as well. I think that's extremely important. So like I said, it has been, her case has been moved from December to September, especially after this, her lawyer is fighting for her. It took him two weeks to do this and she had been begging her other lawyer for 13 years to do this. So we're on a good path. We're doing a good thing. We're like, I don't know, her lawyer is, I should say. And, you know, we just have to keep hoping she gets her freedom because she absolutely deserves it. And it does sound like she's willing to be in a conservatorship. Like if she can't get out of it without being um, tested again, she's like, okay, but I want it to be different, which I think is an appropriate answer. You know, if she does need to be in one and she doesn't want to be reevaluated or anything, but she trusts kind of Jody in a way, she's like, yeah, I will have her on. I don't really care. But the real crazy part of this is if her dad decides to go against this and fight this, he has to pay for his own lawyer, which makes me smile. So that is the free Britney update of the moment. So now it is time for some unqualified advice. One of my favorite things to give. Somebody said, how to deal with being lonely, but not ready for a relationship. I mean, I think you just have to become comfortable with yourself. I think that you know, if you don't have a pet, maybe get a pet. I think that's always helpful. I was super lonely. Now I have two annoying ass cats. Gotta love them. But I also think you just need to learn how to be okay with yourself and understand that you're not ready for a relationship and that's okay too. You're not on any kind of timeline and just try and hang out with yourself. You know, when I went to Chelsea Handler, I, I will say this was probably my worst experience going somewhere by myself, but I also think it's good to take yourself out, treat yourself, literally, go to dinner by yourself, go see a movie by yourself. It's so funny because I feel like people in their head, they're like, people are looking at me. Nobody's fucking looking at you. Nobody cares. I just, I think if you are lonely with yourself, but you also know you're not ready for a relationship, it's time to get to know yourself better. I hope that that is good advice. Somebody did mention they were a stepmom and they know that I have a good relationship with my stepmom and they wanted some tips on how to get along better with their stepkid. Honestly, it took me and my stepmom a very long time, probably almost 10 years before we were really solid. When I first met her, I was 10. I hated her. I was like a nasty little bitch to her. I, I can admit that. I did not like her, but probably around maybe even 15, 16, we started to get along a little more. And then by the time I was 18, you know, it had been eight years and we got along really well. And now, of course, you know, 20 years later, she's my mom. She's my second mom. She's my bonus mom, as I call her. But I think it's just patience. And I also think it's talking things out. One thing that me and my stepmom bonded over a lot is her dad was an alcoholic as well and we kind of were able to talk about that with one another because I couldn't talk about it with my dad at the time. I was too afraid he would get really mad at me. But my stepmom was someone who I could talk to about this. And also, we liked the same shows, or at least she pretended to like them. You know, she would watch The Challenge with me. She would watch Rock of Love, all those shows, when I would be there every other weekend. And her just taking the time to sit there and watch The Challenge with me meant a lot. And then I ended up moving in with my dad and stepmom after I graduated high school. 
and we would watch Glee every week or we would watch Nashville together. So I would say find something you have in common and like fucking hold on to it. I got really lucky. I will say that. I know there are some step parents who really overstep and then there are some step parents who want nothing to do with like the stepchild. But I got that perfect in between. Um, she knows when she should step in. She knows she's really helpful. She's really, really good at helping me with stuff. And she also knows that I need space. So again, it's been 20 years, right? The first 10 years were, or first eight years were rough. And I think that's natural, but I suggest trying to find something that you both like. I feel like her and I would go to the movies too. She, she liked the Hunger Game movies. We went and saw Hunger Game movies together. That was like kind of our thing. Um, we saw Pitch Perfect together. Um, but yeah, we would watch shows together. And again, even if she didn't, really care for the show she would sit there and watch it with me which I always thought was kind of cool and then I'd talk to her about it and she'd be like okay I don't really care but you know we'd have a conversation about Santana Lopez and how I thought she was a great singer and she'd be like yeah for sure how do you get your significant other out of a pyramid scheme Ooh, 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 ooh. I do not know I don't know that's a tough one my cousin's in one and she always tries to get me to buy her hair care stuff. And I'm like, nope, I have psoriasis. It's bad for my skin. And she keeps like trying to push it on me. I guess just if they're losing a lot of money, maybe like print it out and show them. Maybe have like physical, these fucking cats, you probably heard that. Maybe have like physical copies of their bank statements or something and be like, this is a problem. We need to do something about this. That way they have no way to be like, that's not true. I'm not losing money. There's physical evidence in front of them. So they have no choice. They got to admit that there's an issue there. This one was interesting. Should I go to another rushed wedding of a sibling I highly discourage? I don't know. I probably would just because I wouldn't want to lose my sibling, but I'd probably be super vocal about how much I disagree with it. I think that that is absolutely what I would do because I'm a monster. <laughs> I think it's okay to tell them your worries and it's okay to tell them like, hey, I'm really worried about this for you. Um, so just think about it. But I also don't know if it's worth losing a relationship with your sibling because I'm going to assume if you don't go, there's going to be an issue. So maybe talk to them before it. Be like, I'm here to support you but I don't agree with this. I really don't. Or maybe if they say like, does anybody object to this wedding? Like just stand up and be like, I fucking object. I think you should do that. That is my advice. Stand up in the middle of it and make a scene. Make the day about you, honey. How do you deal with or avoid comparing your life to others? I think as humans, we're honestly, we're always comparing ourselves to others. There's a jealousy streak that we have that we that's hard to get rid of. You know, it is hard for me to see somebody doing really well. And if it's a friend, I'm obviously like really happy for them. But if it's someone in high school who was mean to me, I'm like, fuck you. I'm jealous of your life. But I think it's really important to remember in life, the only race you're running, your only competition is yourself. Um, I think you're doing what you need to do. You're doing all you can do. And with social media, it's super easy to compare yourself to others. You know, Instagram is a highlight reel. Twitter is <laughs> where you unravel. Facebook's where you post a picture with your parents or something. But I just think it's so easy to compare yourself. But just focus on what you're doing. 
I started actually writing like daily in a journal, like positive things. Cause I'm very negative. I'm a fucking good person at being negative, but I think you just need to maybe even write down, like I'm doing a good job. Like have a daily affirmation being like, I'm doing the best I can today. And if that's all I can give, that is okay too. Allow yourself to to be okay with maybe not having an A-plus day every fucking day of the week. And this is the last one I am going to answer. Well, there's two more, sorry. How to handle the awkwardness of being the only single one in the friends group. Yeah, girl, welcome to my life. So at my birthday, I realized I was the only single one at, like, after we did karaoke, we all, all went to dinner, and I was, like, the fifth wheel. I guess I'm very lucky because none of my friends, boyfriends, at least down here, make me feel awkward. Up in Massachusetts, I don't know what the difference in the water is, but I feel like guys up there are such assholes to like their friends, girlfriends. I don't know, but I think, I think if it's awkward, fuck those guys, right? Like they should try and make you feel as comfortable as possible. I have never felt awkward around my, my friends group. Like I was like the seventh wheel at one point and I was kind of like, well, this is weird. And then I was like, no, it's not. <laughs> also, just make a joke about it. I feel like if you joke about it, that maybe helps a little bit, like just kind of joke through the pain. But yeah, I just, I'm, I'm very lucky that my friends, boyfriends don't treat me like I'm an annoyance when I'm sure I can be here and there. So if they are treating you like an annoyance, maybe you should talk to your friends about it and be like, hey, like if you don't want me to hang around, fucking tell me. And then they'll, they'll straighten their act up or they'll be like, okay, we don't want you to hang around. So it's a, it's a, you know, tricky situation. But I suggest if it's really, really bothering you and if these are your best, best friends, talk to them about it. These fucking cats, man. This is their witching hour. I can't stand it. This is my last one for the day, for the, <laughs> for the episode. I'm 33, left a narcissist after 10 years together, struggling being on my own with love advice. I think the fact that you were able to leave them after 10 years is such a big statement. You are such a fucking badass. You have this. You got this. You know what you're doing. I'm proud of you. I don't have any advice to give you other than you're doing the right thing. You know, you've said you've left them after 10 years. You're struggling on being on your own. And honestly, if you weren't, I'd be like, are you okay? Of course you're going to struggle. 10 years is a long time to be with someone who is likely emotionally abusive, maybe, but you did the right thing. You left. You are on your own. You're fucking killing it. And I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you. I have no advice to give other than tell you that I'm proud of you and good job. All right, guys, I just cracked open a white claw because we're about to get into Lou Pearlman. Lou Pearlman is somebody who absolutely changed the game when it came to 90s music. He created the Backstreet Boys. He created NSYNC. He created LFO. He created Aaron Carter. He helped create Britney Spears. Basically, he helped form a girl group. Britney Spears was a part of that girl group. They realized Britney was like the star. They sent her over to Europe so she could kind of become a bigger star over there, which is what he did for everybody. If you guys did not know, Backstreet Boys and NSYNC were huge in Europe. And then when they came to the United States, they weren't that big until Backstreet Boys got big in Canada. And I'll talk more about NSYNC's journey because I did watch the boy band con. It's on YouTube, at least in the United States. If you can watch it, I absolutely recommend it. Also, the Backstreet Boys documentary, Show Them What You're Made Of, 
I think it's like six or seven years old now. It's one of the best documentaries I've ever seen. And I really think that at this point, I just need to do a Backstreet Boys deep dive. But let's talk about Lou Pearlman, the person. Like I said, he gave us so much, but there is so much like dark-sided stuff when it comes to Lou Pearlman. And what I mean by that, okay, what I'm about to say is allegedly, you can take it for what it is. It is rumors. It is, you know, through the grapevine, through the grapevine, through the grapevine. I'll, I'll tell you when like facts are facts. This is allegedly. Allegedly, Lou liked to pick his favorites in each band. Typically, the favorites were the young blonde ones, Nick Carter, Justin Timberlake, Rich Cronin from LFO, Ashley Parker Angel from O-Town. He did create O-Town too. I didn't add them to that list. Aaron Carter, those were his like boys, his favorite, favorite boys in each group. Now, other dark things about Lou. He would have like porn parties with the boys. He was a rich man. He was in Florida. He was in Orlando and he had a theater. And what he would do was play porn on the big screen and have the boys watch it with him. The boys meaning either NSYNC, Backstreet Boys, every boy band basically he did this with. I do remember... Howie talking about it and he was like yeah Lou would just pop in a porn tape and that was the first time I ever saw two girls kiss and it was just it was an awkward moment because it seems like everybody who Lou came in contact with meaning Backstreet Boys, NSYNC, O-Town they all loved Lou they called him Papa Lou he was their dad basically because a lot of them did not have father figures in their life he kind of took that over he was a really wealthy man but he allegedly had a lot of dark secrets. He used to have pool boys wearing like little Speedos all around the pool. He allegedly liked Aaron Carter the best. Now I'm not saying there was any, you know, sexual assault. I'm not saying molestation. I don't know that. I have read stuff about like blinds suggesting that, but I also know Aaron has denied those rumors like crazy. He's been like, absolutely not, absolutely not. That has not happened. I do remember at one point Lance Bass was joking that he does rub shoulders a little too long, which we'll get into in a little bit. But what he used to allegedly do with Aaron Carter is Aaron, he used to send like Aaron out on missions. Basically, if he wanted someone to like be on his label, Brooke Hogan, say Brooke Hogan, he'd be like, go, go date Brooke Hogan. Go, go get your name out there. Go date Brooke Hogan. He would date Brooke Hogan. And it's just really fucking sick how he treated Aaron. And I have, I, and I think Troy and I spoke about this on either his podcast or mine. I can't remember. I have more sympathy for Aaron than I do for Nick. Nick is allegedly a fucking monster. Hopefully he's changed as he's gotten older, but there are a lot of stories about Nick Carter. And that's why when people are like, you know, you know, Backstreet Boys aren't great people. Yeah, I'm aware. I'm aware. It's, it's something that's really actually, I struggle with a lot. I struggle with it a ton. But Lou's sexuality has been questioned a lot and no one has confirmed like he's a pedophile or anything like that. So I, I will say that, but everyone did get like a creepy vibe from him. Let's talk about Lou. Basically, he stole over $300 million in an elaborate Posse scheme. With Backstreet Boys, he was paid as a manager and a one-sixth member, which is illegal. You can't do that. It was during the black and blue tour that they let them go, and I believe they paid $28 million to cut him out of the deal. Again, we're going to talk about this more in depth in a little bit. And just so you know, this was the biggest time for CD sales. 
they were selling like a million CDs a week, which people don't do that now. Typically, it's just like people buy songs now. But these are physical copies. I can remember buying like three or four CDs a week at one point. Maybe not that many, but you know what I mean? Like a CD a week. Everybody had so many CDs and I would always have to rebuy CDs because I'd scratch them because I was seven. But he started his money making schemes by leasing out airplanes. Actually, he started his schemes by selling blimps. Yes, he sold blimps. And his first blimp was for a jean company that did not work. It ended up crashing before it even got to New York City where it was supposed to be. So he got the idea to start Backstreet Boys after he leased a plane out to new kids on the block. He found out how much money they were making and he was like, I could do that. So in 1992, he created the Backstreet Boys. In 1995, he created NSYNC. And just so you know, Backstreet Boys was actually the first person signed. It was AJ, then Howie, Nick, then Kevin, and Kevin brought Brian on. As far as NSYNC, Chris Kirkpatrick is actually the one who started NSYNC. Then he got Justin, and Justin used his connections to fill up the rest of the band, basically. Now, while he was doing this, in the background, he was scamming people out of money because he was telling them they could buy in to own these boy bands, help own them. And he's basically like, you know, you give me all this money, you'll make it back 10 times. It might take a little bit, but you'll make all that money back. And you know what? You'll be able to say you own part of the Backstreet Boys. You own part of NSYNC. That was his spiel. Unfortunately, a lot of people did fall for it. $300 million is how much he stole. And when he was asked about Backstreet Boys and NSYNC, he was like, you can't have Pepsi without Coke. Like, that is so brilliant. It's so funny when you learn about, like, criminals and how smart they are. It's like if he used his brain for something good rather than, like, evil, he could have been the biggest music promoter, producer, agent, manager, whatever, of all time. Like, he, Scooter Braun doesn't have shit on Lou Pearlman, if you ask me. But what he would do is he made those boys work really, really hard. The boy band boot camp, he would call it, and basically they would be practicing in an airplane hangar in the dead of summer. Like, super hot in Orlando, Florida, no air conditioning. They would work for, like, 12 hours, and... One thing that he made sure they could do was dance and sing at the same time. No backtrack, nothing like that. So if you were to see Backstreet Boys or NSYNC, and probably even Justin Timberlake at this time, I mean now, live, they sing while they dance. They do, don't have backtrack, although I'll tell you what, I think Backstreet Boys use backtrack more now for Brian's voice. But Lance Bass started talking and he was like, Lou filled the father figure for people. He was big papa. Lou would pay for everything. You'd go out to dinner, he'd buy that. Every hotel you stayed in, you stayed in nice hotels. They were all paid for. So when they weren't making money, it was kind of like, oh, this makes sense because everything's being paid for. I think at one point they said they were getting like a $36 check a week. They didn't care. That was good enough. And again, everything was paid for. It's not like they had to worry about room and board or food or, you know, driving cars or anything like that. Everything was paid for by Lou. And unfortunately... <laughs> people he swindled, and them, which you'll, again, I keep saying, which you'll learn about in a minute. But AJ's like, I give him credit for his work ethic. I give Lou credit. AJ McLean from the Backstreet Boys, of course, he basically said everything he learned from Lou was his work, work ethic. He worked his ass off. He worked really hard, and he worked hard to make people like him. So AJ does give him credit. Again, 
The boys, I always say the boys, they're men now, but the boys in the film are appreciative of what he did, but they also got fucked over so bad. So it's a really mix of emotions with him. But what's crazy is if you think about it, Lou Pearlman created these bands, Backstreet Boys and NSYNC, and these bands were being like requested so much on on MTV that they actually created TRL because of Britney, Backstreet Boys, and NSYNC. How fucking insane is that? Like thinking about it, I'm like, yeah, that actually makes a lot of sense. But Lou Pearlman is basically the reason why TRL was created. And you guys know how much I love TRL. So again, it's all just like he's so interwoven in pop culture, especially in the late 90s, early 2000s. So some um, background on NSYNC. Lance said that they were kept a secret. They were on the books as B5 because they didn't want Backstreet Boys to know about NSYNC. You know, it was always like, the boys will get mad. The boys don't know about you. We have to keep you guys a secret. And Lance was like, you know, we started being treated like a redheaded stepchild. And I guess that this is kind of basically <laughs> like a Backstreet Boys and NSYNC history lesson as well, which maybe you don't mind. But, but Brian had open heart surgery and they were supposed to do a Disney performance, but they pulled out of it because they were exhausted. They worked so hard. They worked so long. And again, Brian just had open heart surgery for a hole in his heart. And he even said he was like 23 or 24 when that happened, I believe. And there was oxygen on side stage for him just so he could run over, get some air, go back on stage. So for this concert, the boys kind of turned it down. And who took it? NSYNC. NSYNC took that concert and that's what blew them up. It was playing on Disney once a week at least. And anything that Backstreet Boys turned down, NSYNC would take it. And they're both managed by Lou Pearlman. Lou Pearlman is a sixth member of both of those bands. Neither of those bands are getting paid. And Backstreet Boys were pissed, of course. And we find out that Lou would actually talk shit about both boy bands to one another. They'd be like, oh, I can't believe Backstreet Boys said that. Oh, NSYNC, I can't believe that NSYNC said this about you. So he was hyping up this feud between the two of them. And Lance actually said they actually made $35 a day. I'm sorry, not $36 a week, $35 a day. But again, everything was free food, hotels. So they never thought anything of it. 35 bucks a day, you know, to them, they're like, cool, I can, I can buy some stuff. But in their minds, they were going to get a big fat check because Lou kept saying, I need to pay off putting you guys up. Like I need to pay off sending you guys to Sweden to write with Max Martin. I need to pay off building you. So he always had these excuses of why they weren't making a lot of money. And I guess when you're in it, you know, when you're working so hard, you don't really think of that. You don't think that somebody that you care about and trust is going to do that to you. And at least you hope not. Because I remember when Scooter ended up buying, I know I always go back to fucking Taylor Swift, but when it comes to her um, masters, people were like, well, she shouldn't have signed a bad contract. I think when you're that young and that inexperienced, it just, it happens. JoJo did the same thing. Prince did the same thing. I mean, Michael Jackson owned the Beatles music. You know what I mean? There's just so many bad contracts out there. And Lou Pearlman like created a lot of really bad ones for, for his groups. And the creator of Teen People magazine, she was editor-in-chief. She was in the, I don't remember her name, I apologize. But she said, no one worked harder than Backstreet Boys and NSYNC. They had no days off. So two years later, NSYNC is getting ready with their first check presentation. They had sold over 10 million records 
And guess how much they got for their check presentation? Take a guess. What would you think if you sold over 10 million records and lose like, we're gonna do this big check presentation, it's gonna be awesome? Take a guess. It was a $10,000 check, that is it. Lance said he felt his stomach drop because in his mind, it was gonna be at least like 40,000 or even 100,000, he didn't know. It definitely wasn't 10,000 in his mind. But yeah, after three years of NSYNC, that is it, $10,000. And that's when the wheel started turning that something was not right. Now you need to remember, Lou Pearlman was in everything with these boys. It's not like he was some hidden figure. There are so many pictures with them. He, he flaunted his friendship with the boys. And then AJ says that the Backstreet Boys started looking at the bank and everyone was getting paid but them. But again, you know, Lou kept telling them, you know, I had to pay a million dollars to break you. I had to pay $2 million for your first album. He had so many excuses and they believed him. So JC Chazé, the true star of NSYNC, he ended up going to his uncle because he literally couldn't afford a lawyer. After three years being in NSYNC, after celebrity, actually I think celebrity was after, but still after, you know, three years where they're on tours working 18 hours a day, he couldn't even afford a lawyer. And he was told it was the worst contract of music history. Again, he was the sixth member of both Backstreet Boys and NSYNC, and Lou said he had to pay for everything. And the lawyer said, all those dinners you were thanking him for, those were your dinners. You were paying for those dinners. All those free flights, you were paying for those, not Lou. So apparently the boys, NSYNC and Backstreet Boys, did a charity basketball game. And Brian and Nick and JC and Justin Timberlake got together. They were going to McDonald's after the game. And they figured everything out. Brian, Brian ended up going back to the Backstreet Boys. And he's like, Lou's been lying. And I want to file a lawsuit. And they basically took like 90%. Like they took a lot of money from the Backstreet Boys. Obviously they had a lot at this point. But this is during the black and blue era. And they're doing so much promotion. I don't know if you guys remember. They did like a 24-hour tour. Where they went around the whole globe. But yeah, like I said. It basically started with Transcontinental Airlines. And in in know how he sold people? He held a model airplane up in the air close to the camera and took a picture to make it look like it was flying. Like he held, a, again, it's like, it's so smart, but so stupid. Do you know what I mean? So again, he told people they were paying for Backstreet Boys and they'd all get like a big payout and all this stuff. But eventually, Lou actually ended up suing NSYNC. Like I said, the Backstreet Boys did their lawsuit, paid him out, paid him his cut, got rid of him. NSYNC, it was a little bit different. He sued NSYNC for their name and for breaking their contract. Basically, NSYNC had to show up at the courthouse and stand there next to Lou and be like, we are NSYNC, he is not a part of NSYNC. And he wanted the rights to the name. He still wanted to be one sixth member. And the judge actually said, so, so you're telling me you're NSYNC, looking at Lou. And Lou said, yeah. And she goes, then why does my daughter have that poster of those five boys on her wall? So the judge ended up siding with NSYNC, which is great for NSYNC. And that was the last time that they saw Lou Pearlman. And that is how they came up with the album title, No Strings Attached. Because this was their first album with No Strings Attached. Again, like I said, Backstreet Boys went differently. They paid him off $26 million dollars just to get him away, get him out of their lives forever. They never needed to deal with him again. 
So like I said, those two were very public things that happened. Well, that didn't stop Lou. And it's so crazy it took them so long to realize what he was doing. But he ended up staying with Aaron Carter. He created C-Note, LFO, and Take 5. And in reality, I mean, Lou also created a reality competition show. He wanted to do something different, so he created Making the Band and found O-Town. Like I said, he was so brilliant. He was so good at pop culture, but he was so fucking horrible as a human. He fucked people over, he liked his boys young, and he would treat his, uh, he would just be gross. So Ashley Parker Angel is the spokesperson for O-Town in this document, documentary, oh my goodness, documentary. Um, and he was like, you know, we did sign the contract, we weren't making any money, and it was awful. And you know what's terrible about poor Ashley Parker Angel? After he had that terrible contract with Lou, he ended up signing an even worse contract on the same label that JoJo was on, which didn't let her, like, have her music on streaming or anything. So he just got fucked over multiple times. And then they started, like, talking about how Lou would manipulate young performers. Lou would make guys take shirts off, and he'd be like, gotta get in good shape, gotta see those abs. And again, Ashley Parker Angel's like, we didn't think anything of it. You know, we're in a boy band, we should look good. And he just wanted to make sure we were, we were looking good. But Ashley did say he would get very touchy-feely. Like I said, I think Ashley Parker Angel was one of his favorites. Um, like I said, favorites being a gross word in this term. But Ashley Parker Angel, he kept being told, like, don't go up to his room, don't go up to his room alone. But he went up to his room alone, and Lou was like, you're the Justin Timberlake of this group. You're the Justin Timberlake. And he started to massage him, and he was like, all of a sudden, all the red flags started popping up. Because again, this is someone who you trust. He's supposed to be like a father figure in a way, and you don't want to think he's going to hurt you. Aaron Carter is also in this. Let me just say that. Aaron Carter is not well. I think we all know that. Aaron Carter is not okay. I'll never do a deep dive on Aaron Carter because I think he'd fucking kill me, and I'm not even joking. He's insane. But I am going to play an audio clip from Aaron when he is asked if Lou was ever inappropriate with him. My opinion of Lou being a sexual predator is that that is not true. That is so foul. He would come up to you and he'd teach you how to do push-ups. He taught me how to do diamond push-ups so I could build my chest. And he's a pedophile? Shut up about that, guys. So that is Aaron Carter's take on it. And now I'm going to play a clip from Rich Cronin on Howard Stern, but it's also Ashley Parker Angel narrating it. And he says he feels okay talking about this. Obviously, Rich has passed, very sad, but he openly talked about this, so that's why they were kind of okay with airing it. So I'm gonna play that in three, two, one. I got to be really close with Rich Cronin because his brother Mike was our manager and LFO came out on tour with us. Rich was one of the members that actually lived in Lou's house with him at one point. I feel I can tell this story because Rich went on Howard Stern and told it. He tells me that Lou basically comes in and he's all worked up and he's like, you know, I got this big opportunity for you guys in Europe. He's punching his table. He's act really acting good. He goes, this could be the make it or break it moment for LFO. This guy over in Europe who has this big recording company, he goes, all he wants to do is touch a penis. Oh. And I don't know what happens after that. Just pretty much touch your penis and, you know, play with it. That's how they do business over there. I don't want you to get freaked out. We got to do what's right for the band. And so I'm going to let you practice on me. It's 
that we don't go over there and blow this deal. And guess what else? In college, I was a psychology minor. I'm going to help you get through it mentally. He goes, well, think about it, guys. Don't say this. Don't you fucking tell anyone. So that is straight from Rich Cronin. And I feel like if one person has a story like this, they all maybe do. I mean, Lance said, you know, I never saw him do anything. All the people who are interviewed said they never saw him do that. But I will say there are likely stories and people who aren't comfortable talking about it. So we also find out that he had a tanning bed in his home and he'd record the girls getting naked into the tanning bed and then show the boys. Aaron Carter denies it. He said, there's no way. There's no way my mom used that tanning bed. I used that tanning bed. We looked for cameras. There was no cameras is exactly what Aaron Carter says. But I believe the girl who's talking, not Aaron Carter, apparently there were cameras everywhere throughout the house and the whole like hub of all the cameras were in his bedroom. But what's crazy is Lou is being investigated and then who, who whatever member of like the sheriff's department or something were, was investigating him. He was like, you want to be, you want to be mayor, right? And the guy was kind of like, yeah, I want to be mayor. And Lou made it happen. He paid for that man to become mayor of fucking Orlando, Florida, which is absolutely insane. So the FBI ended up falling off the case because he ended up paying this local government. And then in 2006, a writer cracked open his scheme. She ended up investigating people who lost all their money and everyone starts to sue Lou Perlman. He said he had a bank in Germany, so then he got caught for bank fraud, and he convinced banks to lend money. He was a very conniving businessman. But in 2007, they ended up searching his house, and they didn't find anything. They basically had to condemn his house or sell it and try and get some money back, but all of his victims are without money. And this woman, this older woman, she was talking about how her, her husband he was a World War II vet, and he put so much money into the Lou Pearlman fucking scandal. She was like, he had to walk by his best friends who were dead from being in war, and this is how he spent his money when he got back, and Lou Pearlman took all of his money, and it's so heartbreaking. They ended up um, finding out that there were 2,100 investors. Most lost everything. Most people didn't get any money back, and they found him in Bali, like on a beach. They just found him there eating his breakfast at a hotel like he wasn't a mastermind criminal. But he ended up being found guilty and then eventually found dead in his jail cell. And everybody who was interviewed about his death was like, you didn't know how to feel because you were obviously upset that this person that you were once close to passed away. But also, he's a monster. He took everything from them, and he had no soul. So that is my Lou Pearlman. I guess it's more of a shallow dive. It's more of an overview. Unfortunately, I couldn't find as much as I thought I was going to be able to. But I really hope that that gave you some insight on who he was, how much he changed pop culture and pop music in the 90s. He's the reason everybody went to Max Martin. He was a smart dude. He was just fucking evil. So I just, I wanted to cover him because I talk about him so much. So he is basically to thank for Backstreet Boys, NSYNC, O-Town, LFO, Britney Spears, Aaron Carter, TRL, M um, and then making the band, which I think helped with American Idol too. But that is the Lou Pearlman deep dive, guys. Thank you so much for hanging out. I know this is an extra long episode. I hope that you enjoyed it. 
It's so good to be back. Thank you guys for the support. Thank you guys for listening to Beyond the Blinds. Um, if you want to support the podcast, there is a link in the little description area. If you don't, that's fine too. Be sure to subscribe, rate, tell your friends. If you're at a party, like take your friends' phones and just hit subscribe because I promise you they're going to like it. But thank you guys so much, and I'll talk to you next week. Bye.